Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like making things weird with your best friend, when your partner isn't out to their family, and feeling like you need to catch up. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, Mm -mm. nor relationship people we're, we're barely ba- we're, awake we're barely holding on <laughs> honestly <laughs> this is all to say we is hung over for the first time in like seven hey. years <laughs> this is all to say please take our advice as you see fit we are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding and mostly confusing experience that is love also, I can't believe I feel hungover after only two mojitos. Welcome yeah. to 35, baby girl. Welcome. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Also, so today is a special episode that we're doing for the first time. Uh, we wanted to do like a, pr- a pride specific episode. Um, so I was really hoping, <laughs> I was really hoping that your episode, dis- your letter descriptions would just have like queer puns in them. Like, um, you know, well, if that's what you wanted, you should have asked for well, it. Well, I was just, you know, like, I was just hoping, you know, um, <laughs> if he wanted to, he would sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so we're doing, this is our pride episode. Happy pride to everyone who is celebrating across the world. Um, uh, we're going to check in about pride and just kind of like share some pride thoughts. We have, we have mm-hmm. no... We have no questions. We don't know what we're going to say. And then all three of our questions are from queer folks. So, yeah. Happy Pride. Happy Pride, Sam. (laughs) Happy Pride. Are you going to do anything fun? Is there, like, anything happening in Albany? Uh, Not really. I think I, like, missed the things that are going on in Albany um, because of, like, other conflicts. I'm just living my my proud queer life, you know, and, like, occasionally... Mm -hmm looking through the pride section of the stores. Cause like, I know it's like corporates ass kissing, but like sometimes it's really cute merchandise. <laughs> like sometimes I, sometimes I do want that rainbow headband, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For what sure. What about you? I mean, we can't escape capitalism. So yeah. here we are. <laughs> yeah. What are you, are you doing anything to celebrate? Uh, no. So Minneapolis moved their pride into July and I didn't know that. So we're going to be in DC when pride is happening oh cool uh so we're like we're just like missing the whole thing yeah um 
so that's disappointing. Yeah, but, bummer. Um, but you know, living my life is proud. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. I don't, I don't need, a, I don't need a whole month. I'm just all the time queer. Yeah, totally. Do you remember when, like, twenty episodes into the podcast, a thousand years ago, one of my blind dates was Pride? <laughs> Yeah, I do remember that. Well, it's because I, to just really quickly share the anecdote, it made me, I was having some self-reflections about pride and how, like, I love rainbow flags, people who have rainbow flags up at their house or or whatever. I love them, not just because I'm like, oh, cool, gay people, (laughs) but because Mm -hmm. it makes, I remember feeling younger when I was younger and feeling safe in that house or safe in that classroom or whatever. And now I have a flag in my hanging in my backyard. And I like to think that when people walk by, whether it's like queer little tweens or, um, you know, mm-hmm. gay neighbors or, or fucking straight people who are great allies. I like to think that they see that and, and know that they, my house would be a safe refuge for them. That's my pride thought. <laughs> Just recycling nice. old thoughts that I shared before. <laughs> I should get a flag. How do you feel about kink at pride? Oh, God. Come on, people. Come on, people. <laughs> if you think the worst thing that a young person is going to see is is like a bear in leather chaps, like... <laughs> right. You know, come on, folks. <laughs> like, I think kink should be at pride. I think that kink is essential to pride. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, there are great think pieces out right now on it. What about you? Oh, yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. Our job is not to make ourselves more palatable to people, friends. Our jobs is to be is to be wholly and fully yeah. accepted for who we are. Yeah. And there, and are always, like, there are always kids' faces at Pride. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, there are. I mean, yeah. And also, exposing kids to the reality of human sexuality isn't inherently bad, friends. Mm, <laughs> like, oh, my God. I love that. Right? Like, I mean... Yeah, I, they're going to process it in the way that they need to process it. And you can be kind and explain it to them in words that they can understand. But yeah. like pretending like sexuality doesn't exist is what got us into this place in the first of place. Shame. Yeah, so, totally. Right. Well, and I so like, like when I imagine when I imagine the pride that some people who, who don't want kink at pride, like when I'm imagining that I'm imagining a pride that is, um, is mainstream and and straight straight friendly, and I don't mean that in a heterophobic way, right? And I and I'm not saying heterosexual folks aren't like the freakiest of freaks, you know, <laughs> like they can get down with mm-hmm. whatever they want. For sure. But I think when we start to put to um ask pride to be more palatable, as the word that you used, um, then it is then it is for the consumption of people who love rainbow stickers and being able to get really drunk with their gay best friends. Like um, mm. it becomes like a, it, it becomes a, a bandaid, a, a rainbow bandaid over what the real true space of pride is, you know, the purpose of it, the fact that it, you know, pride started as a series of riots and sit-ins and, um, extreme, against police brutality. Yes, too. I was going to say extreme conflict, <laughs> with, extreme conflict with police, you know, because it was um, illegal to be gay. You know, it was illegal to, quote unquote, cross dress, you know, and mm-hmm. um, and if we forget that and if we make it a space that is supposed that is, 
in, it's almost like corporate, like clean it up, you know, then, mm-hmm. then it is becoming a, a capitalized monetized, um, mainstreamed event. And, and it's not, it's not that it's a space where I can go with my wife and, and hold her hand and, and know that not only are we safe, but we're being celebrated that, 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 that it's like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> no, it's real. It's like the question of like, whose comfort is being prioritized. Yes. And like, if the comfort is straight folks with kids who don't want to see that shit, then like, what is pride? Like, why yeah. is, why is that, why is that comfort being prioritized over the comfort of the actual queer people yeah. who like want to be out in their leather or their masks or whatever it is? Like, yeah, that's what, that's what is frustrating about it. Cause it's like, yeah, both can exist at the same time, right? Like we can find ways to make people who aren't comfortable with kink comfortable in those spaces, the priority of whose comfort should be should be prioritized yeah. is like the queer people because they're the ones we're celebrating, right? Totally. Like, it's a pride in queerness, not yeah. pride in some sort of homogenized understanding of like really palatable gay people like me, yeah. right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's I'm not a full representation of queer people, even though like with my house and my husband and everything, like, right. And there needs to be space for other types of queerness to be as equally validated as mine is. Yeah. You know, I saw I'm I'm this is gonna be a long winded journey. <laughs> I'm um, excited. Are you ready? So I, I saw yeah. something um like a tweet or or something in conversation about about kink at pride. And they and somebody had said, like, you know. The reason why we don't see a ton of gay boomers is because um, they were either closeted, like, or or killed, whether by a you know hate crime by them their own selves, like by substance abuses and in because of internalized homophobia, um, or because of the AIDS um, epidemic. You know, like, and I mm-hmm. think so. <laughs> Here's why it's going to be a journey of what I'm going to say. You and I talked before we press record. I wanted to say something about how queerness. I don't want people coming up in the queer community. um, Or in general, I don't want us to think of queerness as synonymous as like oppressed and suffering. You know, Um, it's. I. And at the same time, I don't want us to forget what pride is about, where it came from, you know, mm-hmm. the hundreds of thousands of people who died in the AIDS epidemic because of homophobia and, um, you know, or even how like so many of my high school poetry students didn't know who Matthew Shepard was, um, didn't know mm-hmm. about um, the black trans women at Stonewall, you know, like. I don't want us to grow up thinking that to be queer is to inherently suffer because you know what, if there's young folks listening or people who aren't, 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 aren't oh my God, aren't out, <laughs> there you, <go. laughs> you know, there is a great, there's a larger chance now than ever that if you come out to your friends, your community, your family, they're going to welcome you with loving arms. Right. Um, 
that is a bigger opportunity, more universal opportunity now than ever. And I want that to be the reality more than I want the idea of queerness to be synonymous with struggle. Mm-hmm. And also when we talk about fucking can't get pride, I can't help but think like, you know, that uh, Netflix documentary, I think it was on Netflix called circus of books. It was about like this longstanding gay video store in LA that became like a safe haven for gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, before you know it before homosexuality was like mainstream um in the beginning i was just so moved there's they interview people who used to shop and work at that store in the 70s and you know they in the 80s and they talked about their friends and their lovers and their co-workers coming to work one day on a friday and then being dead by monday you know like that the aids mm-hmm. I'm all over the place. I know that. But like, you know, I think if we if you didn't live through it consciously, it it serves to remember, um, I guess, sorry, what we're really celebrating at Pride truly is like the pioneers who came before us to make a safe space for us to argue about whether or not leather fuck assless chaps should be in a space like that. (laughs) And rant. Sorry. (laughs) No, absolutely. I I totally agree. And I think. That pride should be a celebration of queer joy. Yes. Right? It should be a celebration of pride. And we need to recognize the fact that that pride comes in the face of really intense systems of oppression. Yeah. And if we're gonna and if we're gonna deny people their joy of fully embracing who they are and their kink that defines them, then we're not doing our job. Like, we are not celebrating queer people anymore. We are instead sort of celebrating the fact that a certain type of queer person is now accepted in society. Right. And asking people to conform to a very rigid set of of behaviors. And I'm not interested in that. Right. Yeah. Even though those behaviors work really well for me, I'm not interested in having only one way of Mm. doing things. Mm. Totally true. Anyway, <laughs> I knew this pride <laughs> conversation would like take off on its own. Um, I th- it makes me emotional as 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 will answering all these letters, I think, because there was and I'm you felt this more than me, uh, me being someone who was straight passing. But, you know, when we were in high school, I couldn't imagine the world that we live in now. It's it's terrifying and moving and. And there's a lot of work ahead of us. And there's also so many reasons to celebrate and to have pride in, in who we are. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> pride episode. Let's get into our letters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our first hella gay letter is from. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> our first letter is from Bisexual and Afraid, who is writing to us from Florida. I found myself in a pickle recently and I'm desperately in need of your advice slash words of encouragement slash tough love slash humble musings. (laughs) I'm a bisexual (laughs) woman and it gets worse. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, there's a great New York Times article that came out yesterday that was called uh, you are gay. You are bisexual enough or you are gay enough or something to the bisexual people, you know, because how many letters do we get that's like. I'm not valid enough. So many. So many. I've fallen in love with my best friend, she, her, of 13 years. We've been best friends since we were 16, and like most besties, we've been attached to the hip since day one. 
When we met, it was an instant friendship. We've always been very compatible. We share many interests. We have the same sense of humor and we can truly talk about anything together. We've traveled, gone to the same college. We've even lived together for four years. Most people would tell you to never move in with your best friend, but we've lived in, we lived in harmony with minimal issues throughout our entire living together. And it was some of the best years of my 20s. I've only ever felt platonic love for her, although I've always believed she's the funniest, most beautiful woman I've ever met. Um, isn't that the, like the most queerest, the queerest statement you've ever heard? It's always like, I'm not attracted. To, I don't want to date her, but like, she's so beautiful and I want to put my mouth on her. <laughs> <laughs> we are both bisexual women and have always uh, known we're attracted to each other, but I've never really thought of it as a romantic feeling, rather just two hot people acknowledging each other's hotness. So last year when she told me she was moving in with her boyfriend, I felt dot, 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 jealous, question mark. I remember feeling just a little hurt, but I quickly bottled that up and expressed only full support. I've always supported her moving on to a new chapter in her life, and I always want her to do what makes her happy. But I felt very emotional about the fact that I wouldn't see her at the end of every day, eat dinner with her, hear about her day, snuggle on the couch, etc. However, her moving out did not prevent either of us from seeing each other as often as possible. When we would see each other, it was always so wonderful and usually the highlight of my week. Around the end of the year last year, she had to quarantine for over a month because of COVID-related stuff. We FaceTimed while we were apart, and after almost two months without seeing each other, probably the longest we've been apart ever, we kissed. Like, we kissed hard. And after that, we had some really amazing I missed you sex. I feel like the sex came out of left field for me. <laughs> like when I was originally. Yeah, no, me too. I was reading the letter. I was like, oh, no. Oh, they kiss. And then it was like, and then we had sex. And I was like, whoa. I mean, that like, escalated quickly. I guess like that's a normal progression of things. But like for some reason when I was reading this, I just, it, it was like, whoa. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Also, I missed you sex. A plus on A plus. Mm -hmm. She and her boyfriend have an open relationship, so it was not uh, cheating was not a concern. But now something has been in, unlocked in me of feeling so warm and fuzzy. It makes my chest feel tight in the best and worst ways. I see her now and I just want to do things like hold her hand and take her out and just do normal girlfriend stuff with her. When I'm with her, I feel amazing and, my, and I'm my most comfortable self. I am confident now that I'm in love with her. At this point in time, we've been having sex on the regular for about six months. Other aspects of our friendship have amped up. We buy each other more gifts. We plan our weeks around each other. We have more plans to travel together. And I just... I don't know what to do with these feelings I've been bottling up. I haven't told her about my love for her for a number of reasons. Fear of being fear being a big one. I guess my fear may be that she doesn't feel the same kind of love. We've always told each other I love you, but it's never been anything but platonic. Really? Just that doesn't sound like it. <laughs> Sorry, I've interrupted myself like 30 times in this letter. If she doesn't feel the same kind of love, will it make things weird? Will we have to take a break from each other? I'm not even sure if anything would come from telling her. Would she feel the same? If so, then what? I want to be her partner so badly. When I'm with her, I look at her and I think, damn, I could really do this every day for the rest of my life. But she has a boyfriend and she says she plans on being with him in the long run. And she mentions that she may want to marry him one day. Like I said, they have an open relationship, but my art, my heart wants to be her primary partner. The whole situation has been weighing on me because she's my best friend in the whole world, but I'm having so much trouble figuring out 
uh, how or if I should tell her about how I feel. What we're doing together right now feels beautiful, but I know it's not sustainable and it can't be a forever thing. What do I even do with this mess of feelings and emotions in my brain? Losing her as a friend is not an option, but I feel like bottling this up just isn't good for me. Do I say something to her? Thank you for your time. Love your podcast. Love you all more. Oh, bisexual and afraid. So, so cute. <laughs> so pain, so painfully cute. Like emphasis on the painful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a pickle for sure. Thank I you think. for saying it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, let's just acknowledge how difficult it can be to have all of these feelings and not know what to do with them, right? And mm. have sort of the validation of having this person that you love in your life and being with you physically, spiritually, emotionally, and also feeling like there's like, there's a catch. Like there's something there where like, you're just going to do something wrong. And then it's all just going to like crumble in your hands. Like that, yeah. that anxiety is really intense. And I, and I can feel that you're just like, what do I do? What do I do Ooh. in this situation? And um, that mix of like excitement and dread at the same time is just yeah. such a like unique emotional space to be in. Yeah. I think that you can like free yourself of the pressure to make things go back to quote unquote normal. You know, like I feel like Sam said at the pressure, the intense stress that you're feeling that like if, if you make the wrong turn then you're going to lose everything or like, did you, you know, did you open this can of worms and like, you know, the, even that big question of whether you should tell her or not aside I feel this stress of like, oh, my God, everything's changing. Am I going to lose this good thing that I have? And I'm going to say something that sounds really blunt, but um, it's it's it just is what it is. It's, it's that there's 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 no going back. There is mm-hmm. the relationship you had is no longer the relationship you have now. And I say that right. not as like a anonymous thing. I think this is a beautiful relationship. Um, I, I say that to relieve you of the stress of like, quote unquote, going back to normal or like the pressure of keeping things all together. Like you can't go back, can't go back. This relationship has been intrinsically changed over the last six months. Um, and mm-hmm. I say that not to condone, um, excuse me, not to condemn friends with benefit situations or open relationships. Like I, I know friendships can sustain past sexual intimacy, um, yeah. But, you know, your feelings are here now. And so now we have we're, we're working with a totally different problem and you're never going to go back to the same relationship you had. It's going to be a new yeah. relationship, no matter what the outcome yeah. is. You can't unbake the cake. Right. It's been, you can eat it's that cake. Changed. if You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right. And so now you can you can eat the cake. You can have it at the same time as Sierra likes to do. <laughs> and you, you can ice it. But you can't unbake it. You can't get like the yeah. individual ingredients back. Yeah. Um, and I also love the question in this where you're like, you know, if I tell her how I feel and she doesn't feel the same way, is it going to make it weird? Um, because like it's already weird. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 and yeah. not not in like a judgy way. Right. Like all relationships are all weird all the time. And like, <laughs> and but put like that the... at an embroidery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like not acknowledging the weirdness doesn't make the weirdness go away, Mm. right? Like just pretending like the feelings aren't there doesn't make the feelings not happening. Pretending like you're not in love with her when you're around her doesn't mean that you're not in love with her, right? And so 
my opinion on this, and I don't know if Sierra agrees with, with me on this, but my opinion on this is like, you need to tell her how you're feeling because you are worth opening up to this person about the love that you have for them. And not telling them just means that you're not telling them. It doesn't mean that the feelings go away. There's no like there's no path forward into something different unless you do something different. So tell them how you're feeling and what's going to happen is going to happen. Right. But it's better yeah. than sitting in this place of this sort of. I don't want to say it's false, but this I, this like relationship that isn't serving you in the way the that you need it to serve you. It's a, right? you're in yeah. a waiting room right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you also ask like, what would it, what good would it do to tell her my feelings? Um, and also like telling people our feelings is like worth it enough, right? Like, like that is a good enough excuse to tell people our feelings. Like that's, you don't need a thing to come from it, but you know, you're in relationship with this person. This person is your best friend. Don't you want to be seen and And heard by her Mm -hmm. and known by her? Right? Like, that is enough of a reason for you to tell this person how you're feeling because your wow. emotions are valid. The love that you have for her is beautiful. Whether or not she can receive it in the way that you want her to doesn't mean that it's not important. It just, yeah. it you you deserve the opportunity to be fully yourself in relationship with this person. Wow. You are going to be the emotional sucker of this episode and I am here <laughs> for it. <laughs> that is the most romantic thing uh, I've ever heard you say it. I love it. I mean, I, I I think it's deeply beautiful to say that that our our feelings are enough and of enough of a reason to share them because we deserve to take up space, whether or not they are reciprocated. Because dang, how often do we put our first? Oh God, I cannot talk today. How often do we put our worth and our our validation? We have it wrapped wrapped up in the stock of other people's engagement on it, right? Like my feelings for this person don't matter unless it's reciprocated. No, 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 no. Your feelings get to take up space to live and breathe out in the world. And they deserve Mm -hmm. to, you know. Another thing I wanted to add to what Sam was saying about um, what if she doesn't reciprocate. um, You know, preparing ourselves for disappointing disappointment or pain. doesn't make that disappointment or pain easier. It like that is a false sense of preparedness that we feel. You know, if you're if mm-hmm. you're not telling her because out of fear of that discomfort, out of fear of her not reciprocating, which hurts more, never knowing, never letting her know your true beautiful, let me just say that. Your feelings for this person are beautiful, right? Um, and what hurts more, never letting her know this authenticity or or having her not reciprocate it, you know, never knowing what the full potential of this relationship could be or mm-hmm. risking being rejected, you know, mm-hmm. preparing Absolutely. yourself for that or trying to avoid it doesn't lessen hurt. It just like right. puts it in a different place. Mm hmm. Yeah. And pretending those feelings don't exist doesn't make them go away. (laughs) Right. Right? Like that's, that's, we're we're sort of living in this, um, in this middle ground, exactly what's like this purgatory of 
we're just gonna like pretend like nothing's happened and we're either gonna be in heaven or in hell or and, like we're just, maybe it's better to just stay here in this purgatory right yeah but that's like not what's actually happening here yeah. this is there is no either or there is no binary here there are a million different ways that this could all play out and so what you need to do is is choose the opportunity to to be authentically yourself, to express yourself, to yeah. tell this person and pursue what you want, which is to be yeah. in more deep relationship with this person, because right now you're not and and you're in this like middle ground. And it's that's not you're getting enough to like sort of sustain you a little bit. But I want you to have like the whole meal. I want you yeah. to, to pursue that whole meal either with this person or if that doesn't work out with somebody else who's going to be able to f- be fully present with you um, in the ways that you want them to. Yeah. And I I, I want to also acknowledge like I know that we're talking about a real romantic relationship here. The one mm-hmm. between her and her boyfriend. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't want it to get. I don't want it to get misconstrued that we are ignoring this in the face of our like great romantic (laughs) endeavors to get you to be with this person. But it's, it's, we're not like home wrecking here. We are the, the behaviors and the dynamics that you've set up in your friendship right now are no longer sustainable for you bisexual and afraid because Mm -hmm. you're not holding space to meet other people. Right. You are holding the space in your heart for this person who is not fully available to you right now. Um, And you and this dynamic in their relationship, like if to me, just from reading it and I'm curious about what you feel, Sam, it like the, the extra time together, the gifts, you know, like the scheduling, the consistent sex life, like you're becoming a more consistent partner. Um, like in a open polyamorous, perhaps relationship, um, you're becoming more like a polyamorous partner, a consistent partner versus a, an occasional hookup. And that dynamic needs to be addressed too. Does, what does she mean when she says, I love you? And is that still within the parameters of her Mm -hmm. open relationship? You know, like this needs to be assessed from all angles, not to mention the fact that Sam and I are rooting for you in that, like, we hope that she's like, no, you're right. You've been in front of me this whole time, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And and I also, like, the romantic in me agrees with Sam on every point because, like, not only do your feelings deserve to be out in the open, that there are enough of a reason to share, but, you know, I do believe that we categorize people. Like, we we categorize them in our mind as to how we relate to them. And you guys have been for friends for so long and the category is starting to shift in her mind, maybe a little, and it shifted way. Like you're no longer, you said it yourself. Like I've realized I'm in love with her. I don't see her as a friend. I don't see her. I want her as a partner, you know? So th- that designation that you've seen that you've carried her around in is crumbling. And I wonder if it would be enough for you to just say, I think I want to be with you. You know, I think I want to date you. You have been my best friends for so many years, but my feelings for you are shifting and I want to explore our relationship in this way. I wonder if you said that to her, if she then would start looking at you differently, period. Like I. Mm. Again, I think that there's like so much that's being uh, unspoken here that if we can bring it into the light, Mm -hmm. then people can make decisions about it with more understanding of what you're feeling, what she is feeling. Um, and 
it seems like you two are infinitely compatible, right? So it seems like there's an opportunity for you to to figure out what your relationship looks like and also what her relationship with her boyfriend looks like too, right? I, but right now there's so much that's being unspoken. Right. right? There's so much under the surface. And I think it's going to help you all uh, to to bring it up and to talk about it and to yeah. actually um, make decisions based on all of the things that are happening and not just the un the things that are spoken while there's like so much that's are that's going unspoken. And we don't really need to cover this bisexual and afraid, but if this person you come to them and you say this is what I want and they say I don't want this, then unfortunately, like I said, there's no like Sam said, there's no unbaking this cake. You need to figure out what this new friendship looks like. Maybe that means space, time, distance, no more sex, you know, like Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's a break. Maybe you guys don't talk to each other for a while so that you can, again, recategorize that person's place in your life, recategorize the way you carry them in your heart. Um, if if she, you know, if she receives this and doesn't reciprocate it, then I need you to take some time and space to mourn this love like you would mourn any other breakup. And I know that feels weird with a mm-hmm. friend that you talk to every day, but I promise you your friendship will have more sustainability in the long run if you grieve the opportunity of a, of a romantic relationship before you dive back into the platonic friendship. Yes, absolutely. All right, bisexual and afraid, go tell your friend how you fucking feel and tell us how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and happy pride. <laughs> happy pride. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like 
premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling-lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right. Our next letter is from KC, who is writing from West Heartbreak Beach. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm a 24-year-old lesbian, she, her. In the summer of 2019, I met an amazing girl who we can refer to as A. We went on a few dates and it was wonderful. We clicked instantly as we share similar interests and senses of humor. However, I moved to a new state for grad school a few weeks after we met. A and I assumed that this was just a summer thing and that we'd lose touch. However, we continued talking every day and grew really close after I relocated. A month after I moved out, I told her how amazing I think she is and that I wanted us to be together despite the distance. She reassured me that she really liked me but had anxiety surrounding intimacy and relationships and therefore couldn't commit. Needless to say, I was crushed. We didn't talk for a while, but next time I was in town, I reached out to her and we caught up over drinks. Our undeniable chemistry was still there. However, when I asked if I could kiss her, she said she didn't want to complicate things but made it clear that she would like to start a friendship. So for the next year, we were friends. I still had feelings for her, and we talked more frequently than most friends. Sometimes I sensed that she still had feelings for me too, but at this point, we lived in different states, and I was happier to have her in my life as a friend than not at all. Things changed this winter when she admitted that she had feelings for me the whole time. I felt validated. I knew there was something special between us, and that this wasn't just a crush I couldn't let go of. We started dating long distance. Although we couldn't visit each other because of COVID, I was really happy. A has the kindest heart, and I feel so connected to her. I've had plenty of crushes and situationships in the past, but in hindsight, those were more of an infatuation than genuine care and connection. My attraction to A is all-encompassing, physically, emotionally, and rationally. When I'm with her or talking to her, things just feel right. She's also a total catch. She went to an Ivy League school and is now studying to be a doctor. Despite her success, she is very humble and would never treat me as lesser than... We were talking on the phone every day and doing virtual activities together, like training for a half marathon and watching movies. At this point, things were going really well, but there was an elephant in the room that we weren't addressing. Although I believe that she has worked through some of her issues with intimacy and relationships, she is bisexual and is not completely out or comfortable with her sexuality. She came out to her parents a few years ago, but they were not fully accepting and she's unwilling to revisit that conversation with them. I didn't realize the extent of her internalized homophobia and was devastated when she told me that she couldn't come visit because she doesn't want to keep secrets from her parents. 
She said she thinks I'm an incredible person and she feels really close to me, but telling her family about our relationship would strain her relationship with them. As sad as I was to hear this, I feel as though she still treated me with respect and care. It was a shitty situation to put me in to begin with, but once she realized what was going on, she knew it wasn't fair to continue taking from me when she couldn't give the same in return. In her defense, when we started dating long distance, I said, let's take things slow. So I don't think she felt it was necessary to think about telling her family right away. She respects me enough to not string me along as an option when she isn't sure when or if she'll be even be ready to revisit her queerness with her parents. I wish my love was enough for her to overcome her anxieties around her bisexuality. But at the same time, I know that coming to terms with your sexuality is a personal journey and it would be unfair to pressure her. She told me that she has never felt heartbreak like this. So I know losing me is very painful for her too. It's been two months since we had any contact and I'm still devastated. I know this is a good true love, but because of her current situation, she isn't able to be the person I need her to be. Some of my friends have suggested that I try to establish a friendship with A. Maybe if she becomes more comfortable with her sexuality, we can be together. If not, I'll be an amazing friend. My question for you is, have you ever been with a person who couldn't come out for you or vice versa? Can you be friends with an ex when the reason why you broke up were external factors? Is it okay for me to hope that A and I will be able to be together in the future while knowing that in the present I need to date other people? Does any of this make sense or is this just my broken heart talking? Thanks so much for all the wisdom you've already imparted. I have learned and grown so much from this podcast. You two feel like friends at this point. All my love, Casey. Casey, we love you so much. Um, And we love your love. And we're sorry that you are in this position. I know Mm -hmm. that a lot of our queer listeners are going to relate to this. This is a, this is a, a almost universal, I guess, queer topic, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because everybody comes out at different times. Everybody has different comfortabilities with queerness and um, everybody has different families and different backgrounds and, um, yeah, I'm just sorry that you're going through this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to be in a situation where you feel like you're a secret or that you just by being in existence, you are forcing somebody mm. to choose between them and their family, right? Like it's um it's a very unique place to be in. Although I think that it probably exists also in like heterosexual relationships as well. I think somebody might be a secret for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. but I do think that it is like a very particular queer experience to be like, oh, totally. I don't want to pressure you to come out. And also like you being out means I'm not out. And then you have a whole Christmas movie starring (laughs) Kirsten Kristen Stewart. There you go. You got it. You got there. I got it. I nailed it. (laughs) I nailed it. (laughs) Um. Casey, I feel like there are a hundred reasons why you could justify sticking around or being friends with um, this person or or creating, keeping a place, a room open for them in your heart. You know, there are a hundred mm. reasons why to do, to do that because you empathize with her not wanting to come out because you love her and you feel like maybe she'll change over time because um, you don't want to let go of hope. Blah, 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 blah. There are a hundred reasons why to to not move on. But none of these reasons uh, truly value or center your happiness, I think. Um, We Mm. can always understand and justify why people treat 
us, not poorly, but treat us in a way that doesn't um, reflect the standard to which we want to live or, or, or what we deserve or our happiness. You know, like I said, I totally empathize and understand what A is going through and, and A is not a criminal or a bad person in this experience. But just because I can empathize and just because you feel love for this person or affection doesn't mean making decisions to, to hold space for them in the long term is the right decision for you. And that might sound like harsh, um, but I just, I don't see a way around this. I don't see, a, I feel like you need to make more space for you first right there yeah. there's no there's no i know that i like married my ex <laughs> but there i don't i don't really believe in waiting for people um i mm. don't i don't think that that is a strategy that leads to a lot of growth it's when you it's when you move on it's when you build up your own life for yourself for your own independence and your own interests and your own life path that then maybe in the years in the future maybe a is at a different point point but but you holding on hold making space for people breeds resentment and it breeds disappointment and heartbreak do you agree yeah no i i totally agree and i think you know um Allowing A to continue to have access to you when she's not meeting you with what you need, right? Again, just like yeah. allows her to continue this behavior. I love the yeah. idea of like, oh, well, just stick around and then she'll be more comfortable with her sexuality. But it's like, again, setting up a boundary around this is important because it's like you you have so much to give. You are such a wonderful, loving person. You are somebody who like is a catch <laughs> you're yeah. somebody who is worth someone fighting for and worth someone wanting to actively be with and 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 actively wanting to meet you where you need to be met right and that's not what a is doing and not having a boundary around this allows her to still have access to you even though she's not giving you what you need and that's that's the issue that I have when we're like, when we do this thing, which like so many of us have done or are doing, which is like, well, I'm so happy to have them in my life in any way. Right. That, mm. that means that we just allow the behavior to continue not necessarily the behavior, but we allow them to like have so much of us when they're not able to meet us where, where we're at. And, and so I love the idea of like, of you are friends for years and then suddenly it's like, oh, yes, all this time you've been right in front of me. But my experience is that that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> right. Right. No, no, no. I, I never. And the, ex Go ahead. and the leading up to that moment is usually really fraught and awful. And like and, you know, it might feel like it's worth it if you if you're the person, the one in a million person who like lets that happen. But. I don't want you to be in a position where you're continuing to give a lot of yourself to this person who isn't willing to meet you in what you need and what you are asking them to give as well. Yeah. And, and again, just to reiterate, Sam, are, Sam and I do are not villainizing, nor do we feel mm -hmm. negatively towards a, and, and their, their closetedness or their relationship with their parents. Like there's yeah. no judgment here. And there's also like, it's, it's a painful 
situation in which obviously I would love to advocate for A, to be able to live her out and proud and most authentic life. But I don't have Absolutely. any judgment for her not like this. That is her journey. And I have had a similar journey and I, I will never judge anyone for how they choose to come out, to not come out, to 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 cloak their queerness, to, to not cloak their queerness. Like people make decisions for a myriad of reasons that are all deeply personal and complicated that we might not mm -hmm. ever understand. So it's like, I'm not against this person and their journey. I'm, but I'm your cheerleader right now, Casey, we're in your corner yeah. and we're looking at the cards that are on the table and we're, we can clearly say, we don't think that this is a, this is a nurturing place for you to stick around in. Um, mm -hmm. not that you can't be like a friend casually, but like holding that space in your heart will is it's, that's not like, here's, here's the T here's the TLDR, you know, or like the, the thing I'm trying to get to guess what Willow and I, my, my wife and I, I like was obsessed with her for years. I wanted to get back with her for years. And then there was a time period, probably like eight years where I, never thought of her. Well, that's not true. I did, I did think of her, but I never thought of her as a reality. I, I wasn't holding space mm. for Willow. I, the, mm -hmm. I couldn't, I, the first year we were together, I like could not believe I was dating her again <laughs> because I had yeah. put that relationship so deeply to bed, <laughs> you know, um, and moved on with my life and became the person I was supposed to be in, you know, the, the person I was that she needed me to be the person I needed me to be. But mm. I could not have done that if I was basing my daily lived decisions on who I thought she needed me to be. Right. Like if we are mm. if we are in that waiting room, if we are if we are trying to bug hum ourselves in a waiting room to someone else's life, that is not a fertile place for us to grow. It's not a fertile mm -hmm. place for our happiness. And I can't stress that enough because I know we get a ton of fucking DMs about like, how did you can like me reconnecting with Willow and like how, you know, like, like that waiting period or whatever. But I cannot stress. So I cannot stress more that like I never thought I was going to be with Willow ever again. I had moved on fully and be and became a different person. And that's the person yep. she fell in love with. And that the second thing I wanted to say, which maybe defeats everything I just said, which is, oh, no. listen, <laughs> I know, I know. Put those feelings to bed. They will come back easily enough on their own. <laughs> like I'm saying, I'm saying work to not feel like work to move on. And then if for some reason this person comes back in your life, like the feelings will come. You don't need to like hold space mm -hmm. for her right now. She is not available for the life yep. and the relationship you want with her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and you deserve to be with someone who wants to fully be with you, which again is not to condemn her for not being out to her parents. I have dated people who have, who were not out to their parents and I didn't yeah. care because I was like, great, that means I never have to meet your parents, which like, thank God. <laughs> I almost spit out my water. <laughs> That's the most so like, uh, Sam thing like, ever. <laughs> I love it. I like, honestly, I can totally understand how difficult that is and also, it's totally okay that that is something that you want from a partner and you deserve to have a partner who's going to be able to do that with you. And and she's not it. And she is not it. And again, mm. what's exactly what Sierra said, like, you don't want to spend your life in a waiting room. 
with those like fake plants and those yeah. like really old magazines. Like that's not a fun place to be. Will you say the thing that we want, you and I were talking about before we press record about um, the st- thing that we carry about people coming out and how we feel, you know, Casey said it in their le- le- letter, like, I wish my love was enough. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's real. And I, I really appreciate that sentiment, but it's not our love's job to make people come out of the closet, right? I think yeah. that there's this narrative that we have of like, you will sacrifice it all, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like your, your love is going to be the, th- like, you're going to find the perfect person and then that's going to make you want to come out to or people. Or that your love like, would sustain, um, you know, being rejected from your family. You know, like it, it just puts a ton yeah. of fucking mm-hmm. pressure on your love to be, to keep people's lives together, you know, mm-hmm. not that love can't no, do that, but I think it takes I mean, off it the pressure, for, you know, Casey, <laughs> Casey's question of like, I wish my love was enough that that just shows that the wounds that we carry around um, or the, or the pressure we put on our love to be everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Our love doesn't exist in a vacuum. Right. And it, it isn't yeah. like, it isn't going to triumph over everything, even though that is what the movies would have us believe. And so it isn't that your love isn't enough, right? Your love is is more than enough. Your love yes. is beautiful and wonderful and and deserving of kindness and respect and reciprocation. Um, and your love exists in a political world, right? Like it exists mm-hmm. in a capitalist society, and it can't conquer those things. It, it like it literally cannot. And so, I w- I don't want you to hear that and say, "Oh no, that means my love's not enough." Or I don't want you to look at the situation and say, "Like, oh, if only my love were more." Like your love is beautiful. Your love is more than enough. Your love could sustain armies. But like, we also live in a system where we might be dependent on our parents for our money or. We live in a system where our own homophobia is so internalized because we're taught it from birth, before from before birth. Right. That we have genders that are <laughs> correlated with our sexual organs and that like we are all heterosexual until something goes wrong, right? Like there's <laughs> <laughs> like So I am definitely a romantic and I love your love so much and also <laughs> I we have to acknowledge the fact that like our love isn't going to dismantle these systems. Yes. Like our love is not going to be just enough to make these things happen. We need we need action and we need to recognize that like the systems that we exist in are diminishing our love and like that's it, not that our love isn't enough it's that the systems are diminishing the power of our love. Yes. And there's so much that we can do to change that. Yeah. I'm on like a rant about No, I'm I'm here for stuff. it. I really love that you were like <laughs> you're straight until something goes wrong. Cause I just like pictured me like coming home from school and mom's like, how was school honey? And I'd be like, Oh man, I stubbed my toe on the playground and now I'm gay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For me, it was the first, the moment I picked up a Barbie, then it was like, Oh no. Oh God. Cause you're like, I don't like these lumps. (laughs) I don't like these these lumps. That's weird. (laughs) Also, these shoes are kind of (laughs) fun. Anyway, Casey, I know that this is, I know that we're, we're kind of going at it and we're laughing and we're also like giving you a ton of tough love. Um, 
but it's all it's all love you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's all truth and we know I, I know that there's so much love out there waiting for you there's so much love that won't make you sit in this waiting room and and i know this is tricky because you you see this person and you see the position that they're put in and there's it's it's there's there's a it's a lose-lose situation right you know mm-hmm. but in the long-term scope of your life you deserve to be with someone who can be with you in the way that you want right now. Um, Mm. And I, and, and a is not that person for you right now. Absolutely. We love you. We hope that this helps. Happy depressing pride. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. The next letter letter is coming us from Chavi Nunya or Zavi. Me and Sam had a debate about how to pronounce it. Then we Googled it and it said that both of them were correct. So we are (laughs) sorry if we chose the incorrect one. Chavi, we love you. Who is writing to us from my lovely apartment? Hey, you guys love your cast of pods. (laughs) (laughs) And have been binging it as much as I can these past few weeks. So I'm a 29-year-old gay man, practically a senior citizen in the gay community, and that hasn't had a short or a long-term relationship with anyone ever. The longest I've ever been with someone was three dates. I was a late bloomer and didn't really accept my gayness until I was 23. I came out at 25, didn't lose my virginity till I was 27. Much of this was due to my upbringing. First, like many gay people, I was predestined to bullying. I grew up alone and friendless until college, both at school and at home. Kids at school never really wanted to be my friend, and every aspect of my life was criticized and laughed at. They laughed at my shoes, my lack of leg hair as a kid, my walk, and many other things. If I did something wrong or, quote, different, they would point it out and make me feel bad for it. At home, my parents, who migrated from Mexico, only spoke Spanish, so we weren't really monitored on what we said in English. Because of this, my older sister got away with bullying me. The person that I loved and looked up to started to really hate on my personality and tried her best to control me so that I fit into what she wanted me to be. I still resent her for this, even after talking to her about it. I now have a really shitty self-esteem and social anxiety up the ass. I grew up hating who I was and denied anything that made me stand out. I made sure that I passed as straight as much as I could and built walls around me so that any insult or rejection would have little impact as possible. As a child of Mexican immigrants, Catholicism, machismo, a.k.a. toxic masculinity, and colorism, a cultural preference for light-skinned people, where those that look white are favored over those that are darker in skin color, were part of my everyday life. These aspects made me live a life of denial towards my sexuality and caused a lot of internalized homophobia and colorism. I'm really trying hard to challenge this, but don't know how. I now feel like I'm very picky about who I want to date. I'm not attracted to many men, but when I am, I feel too intimidated to do anything about it as they tend to look like Hollister models. How can I gain the confidence to ask out the men I'm attracted to? And what can I do to challenge and remove my homophobia and colorism? How can I challenge the idea and preferences that have been ingrained in me since I was a kid. I've been alone my whole life and I really want to see what it feels like to be loved and to love. I've missed a lot as a gay man and I feel like I need to catch up. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Oh, Chavi, we love you so, 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 so deeply. And I wish that I could like take 
hug you as a little boy, like take the little boy who's still hurting in you and tell him that he's loved, that he's perfect, that those kids don't know what they're talking about because they're just taking out their insecurities on someone um, that's different from them. I I wish I could tell him um, how wrong his sister is and how that there are, are people out there that will love him in a way that doesn't hurt. I also wish I could take you, grown person, grown human person, and hug you and hold you in the same way. Just because we're grown, just because we've seen some life unfold in front of us, doesn't mean we don't deserve like the nurturing, the tenderness, the comfort that we give to children. You know, when a child gets their knee scraped or they're picked on, like we tend to that wound, right? We... We affirm it. We tell them that they're safe, that we love them, that they're sorry, that we're sorry that this happened. Um, And we kiss that boo-boo, right? (laughs) We put a Band-Aid on it or an ice pack or whatever. Mm -hmm. And as adults, we deny ourselves that. You denied yourself that. Even even when you say the walls that you built up around you, um, I feel so much hurt um, in your heart. And I just, I wish I could like hold you and tell you um, how sorry I am for that hurt how sorry I am for that scraped knee that you're carrying around on on your soul, literally, because it's so clear to me that you believe all of this bullying, all of this um, intolerance that you experienced as a child defines you. Um, mm. And that is such a deep, heartbreaking wound um, that you've touched on here, how 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 those hardships, especially in childhood, make us feel like that's, that is our, our merit. That's our worth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I think that as a gay man, there's a lot in your letter that resonated with me too. Um, and, um, yeah, you know, facing, being an identifiably queer boy, (laughs) You know, you and I are very similar ages. So like growing up around the same time was like an opportunity for folks to be mm. to for other kids to be really, really mean, um, like really, really awful. Um, and I, you know, physically, <laughs> verbally, emotionally um, was really targeted as well. Um, sounds like you were experiencing that in your home, too, which I am so sorry to hear. Uh, and I. And I can't even imagine what it would be like if my sister treated me as poorly as your sister did. But those psychological wounds, I feel you. They stay with you. You mm. know, like the it the, being seen as something different because of the way that you walk or the way that you move your hands, things that are, feel like so outside of your control and to be targeted for those things Um it's just really, really challenging um, and makes you want to change yourself, makes you want to get rid of the things that make you makes, you know, I didn't want to talk with my hands for like my entire high school career because I knew that was a thing that people were going to be like, oh, that kid's a target for sure. Um, so I, I feel that and I and I can totally understand how these things um, carry with you. And we'll also say, too, that like it's a unique type of pain to face systems of oppression and systems Mm. of um, discrimination and then also realize that those same systems have been internalized into you 
right? Mm. That you've taken those things on because of because you've had to because we are we are swimming in that water. It is everywhere. It's in the air that we breathe. Um, and realize that like it feels so disempowering. I'll say that to say, mm. wow, not only am I being targeted for these identities i'm also have i had no choice over the fact that i feel the same way about those identities Mm. right like it feels so disempowering so i am so sorry that that has happened to you that is continuing to happen to you you're not broken because of this right like you're not a you're not a broken person you are dealing with the ramifications of all of these things but you are still whole you are still you you are still um, infinitely lovable and infinitely valuable and these systems didn't break you these systems are broken they're shit mm. they're awful but you are not broken because of them they right. they suck but you are a beautiful wonderful human who doesn't deserve any of the shit that has been given to you right i think it's so hard because you know, in any story of self, especially when we're talking about lessons we've learned about ourselves as a child, um, time and effort really are required to start becoming comfortable with who we authentically are. You know, we need time and effort to dismantle these systems of oppressions that are ingrained in in our DNA, you know. And mm-hmm. so the requirement of time and effort makes this feel so insurmountable, such an unclimbable mountain to unpack all of what I am, all of what I emulate, you know, and it, and it underscores all the other issues in here, you know, because like to love who you are means you also have to confront the homophobia, confront your, the inner colorism that you're that you're carrying with you, the idea of what it means to be a man, you know, so there's just there's so many layers to this. So I hope when you hear us talking about this, my darling, you hear like. I think the one of the biggest things we forget to do is to give ourselves credit. You're carrying so much. You're carrying so much mm-hmm. right now. And you're trying and you're and you're you have this this whole itinerary of of hurt and ways in which you are failing, you know, um, you can point to every way in which you are less than, or in which life has made you feel less than. Um, but we never give ourselves, we never look at that list with like, with an affirming eye, you know, we never look Mm -hmm. at it with a validating eye, like, wow, look at this childhood, that I endured. Look at this 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 upbringing that I endured. This homophobia, both at home and in school. Maybe I should give myself credit for surviving that. And now maybe I should love love the person who survived that. Right? Love love who who I am because of that. You know, give affirm yourself the way that you weren't affirmed as a child. And I know that that is a that literally a thousand times harder than being than said said than done um or done than said whoops <laughs> but um <laughs> you know you're worth celebrating we talk about pride like it's an intangible like fake rainbow tattoo that you put on your face for one sparkly weekend but we're talking about 
a deservedness to love and accept and be proud of who you are. And that's, that's something that you deserve. I think about, um, you know, the Sam and I could muse about the heartbreak we feel reading this letter because we, we know as outsiders, like how deserving you are and how whole and worthy and infinitely lovable, as Sam says. Um, but you also asked us for like advice, like, how do I deal with this? You know? Mm -hmm. And I, I couldn't help but think like, even to give you advice, it feels big and scary. Um, but it starts, I, I know as an outsider, it starts with small mental decisions every day. So mm -hmm. the, the, the path to self-acceptance isn't just like, Oh my God, I'm just going to like love myself today. It's that when you have a negative thought about yourself, stopping it, literally stopping it and being like, you know, if it's, whether it's like you look in the mirror or you think somebody's hot and you feel like you're gross because of it, or maybe you have a, like a, <clears throat> a negative thought about someone's behavior because you're like, God, they're so effeminate. Like how, how dare they present themselves that way? Right. It's, mm -hmm. it's literally trying to interrupt those thought patterns, not trying, it's just stopping and saying, okay, so I had that negative thought and asking yourself to humanize the target of that thought, whether it's you and you can think about that mm -hmm. little boy who wasn't loved and accepted. And maybe in this moment you can approach them with tenderness, approach him with acceptance and say, you know what? It's okay if you walk this way. It's okay that you're attracted to this type of man or it's okay that you that you want to love like this. Or if it's it's pointed at someone else, can you humanize them? Who were they as a little child? What did what were they deprived of as a child? Can you give them that? Can you give them the acceptance mm -hmm. that they that you know they deserve? And honestly, I know that disrupting these thought patterns, especially ones that are um literally like pickled in in oppressive systems you know they are so hard to challenge sometimes because as sam mm -hmm. said they're in the air they're in the water right but we are thoughts do not define us we can we can pause that stop thought and think about it and decide to look at it differently and so that would be my challenge to you to not only start looking at yourself with with more compassion because look at Look at how far you've come. Look at look at who you were and who you are now. You're not on you're not late. You're not broken. You're not delayed. Mm -hmm. You're not underdeveloped. Look how far you've come and look at even the questions you're asking. How brave of you. How brave mm -hmm. of you to look at yourself and say, I see these ingrained things and I want to challenge them. Um and so but so my actual action point for you is to to start calling out those negative thoughts. It's, it's not mm -hmm. going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty and it's going to be slow going, but that would be my like direct action item to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I would also encourage you to look at as well is, um, you know, you, you talk a lot about the ways in which your family and um, your parents sort of instilled these things in you that you don't like and that you, that are really hard for you. And I'm also wondering if there are things that your parents and that the place that you grew up in instilled in you that you're really proud of, mm. that you really feel really connected to. Mm. Are there places where you can say like, oh, yeah, 
I learned a lot about machismo from my parents. And also, I learned this really cool thing about myself or this thing that I really value. And I and so, again, sort of shifting the narrative from everything is negative to everything is nuanced and complicated. (laughs) Right. Everything is is not great. It's not perfect. I don't want to we don't want to sit in toxic positivity in any way, but we want to, again, just like Sierra said, humanize, provide a much richer understanding of these things so that we can we can be more intentional about what we want to take with us, what we want to leave behind and recognize that like it's not all just bad, bad, bad. It's bad. And there's other yes. stuff that's OK. There's that's other so stuff smart. that's good. It's just complicated. It is so nuanced. It is so much more than just this is bad and this is good. So what can you do to find places where you um, where you have some pride or you have some gratefulness or thankfulness for the the values that you were taught or the things that yeah. are serving you really well? And it is really about, I think, sort of getting out of this this either or type of thinking and more into a we're all humans. We're all just trying to figure this Mm. out. I'm human. Everyone's trying, you know, like trying to get into that mindset that might help you feel more connected with other people and and stop seeing the world as being hot or not. Um, Yeah. Right. Or like perfect or not perfect or super confident or not confident because it's, it's tangible. Yeah. So how can, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Finding connection with people on a human level. Um, and trying to to move beyond some of those like either or differences that you might be that you might be focusing on. Yeah. For me, when I came into like my queerness, I became a, and I know a lot of queer folks felt this way. I became obsessed with like consuming queer things, you know, mm-hmm. queer mm-hmm. movies and stories and and podcasts and things like that. Um, I think that's something you can do to to both build up that self-esteem reservoir about the acceptance of and and pride in who you are and at the same time simultaneously combat the internalized colorism the the homophobia um the patriarchy that that you are feeling the ramifications of is practice mindful consumption of of the world around you. We already live in a, in a patriarchal heteronormative white supremacy, right? We already get fed these narrative narratives everywhere. And especially Mm -hmm. when that's what we've been trained to consume. um, That's what we look for, right? We look for those white Hollister boys, right? Mm -hmm. Even though looking for people um, who feel, you know, I read, I read recently that like, how our internalized homophobia manifests is, is we, we, that's why so many people fall in love with straight people (laughs) because they, they never, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it's a thousand times more complicated than that, but, but it's like, it's a, you know, a simple, a simple ramification of internalized homophobia is falling in some, falling in love with someone who you'll never be with because you don't think you actually deserve the act, the realization of love. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but like, you know, practice mindful consuming. What are the stories, narrative, news, movies, books, podcasts that you are consuming that have 
diverse queer voices that are actively trying to combat white supremacy. You know, like the more we consume something, the more it becomes a part of our our internalized, uh, our newsfeed in our head. You know what I mean? Like the voices that speak to us. Um, and that's like a, that's like a simple action item that you can do to, to be constantly challenging those negative voices um, that you were that you were given. Let's make it clear again: you are not a bad person. These points of view that you are struggling with right now were given to you. Were as a child, mm-hmm. you you were they were they're an heirloom as they are to so many people. Um, you know, in these systems of oppression, we we are given these tools, and it's our job to learn how to dismantle them. Absolutely. And I appreciate that and also acknowledge that like seeking out those different media can be challenging because mm, like those totally. those stories aren't necessarily told in places where we tend to get our, our media or like the places where it's easiest to get that too. So like, you know, I appreciate that that can be really challenging as well. And it takes intention and it takes um, it takes us being really smart about how we are consuming and where we're getting our, our media from. Um, and that's what sucks about this whole situation is that it's, it's, it is personal and systemic at the same time. Mm. Right. And like, that's what makes this shit just so challenging because it's like, yeah, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to seek out this type of media. And then it's like, Oh, but shit. Yeah. That's so Netflix real. is like, you know, its own white supremacist patriarchal <laughs> co-corporation. And like Ryan Murphy's not putting out stories about like about people who aren't beautiful white men with lots of abs, right? Like that's just I don't just know like, who that is, but I love whatever <laughs> reference you just made. <laughs> he he's the one that did all of the American horror story stuff and oh. glee and like he's got a bunch oh. of like gay oh my God, he shows did both on Netflix of those right things? now. Yeah, isn't that word? Yeah. Um, not to discourage you, right? But to acknowledge no, and real. name the fact that that's that's happening. Because what I don't want, I I never want Sierra and I to come across as being people who want to just apply toxic positivity to things like this, right? We we don't want to just say like, oh, just get over it, or like you're beautiful. Read don't some worry about resource it. Resource books. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's not the reality. Um, and at the same time, we do have opportunities to to do the shitty hard work of figuring out how to unlearn these things that we've been taught. And we have a responsibility to do it as well. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's easy and it doesn't mean that it's fun. Um, and I don't ever want to portray it that way. But there are things that you can be doing and 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 thinking about and challenging the way that you're speaking to yourself and the way that uh, that that you're speaking about others while also realizing that other people are still speaking to you in that way too, mm. right? It's just, it's really challenging. And um, I appreciate how difficult this is. And I also really appreciate that you're trying. I also just really appreciate that you want something different and that you are willing to work for it. Um and I wish that I could make it easier. I wish that I could get rid of all of this with the snap of my fingers. And we can't. And that sucks. But know that we're here with you. And yes. we love you. And we, we want something different you for you, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if we could be with you, we would be holding your hands yeah. through this process. And and 
going through our own process at the same time. Yeah, because becoming always takes time. Becoming is not mm. a season. Becoming is not a revelation that we have. Becoming is our life's work. So the questions that you're asking about yourself right now, these are lifelong questions that we're going to that we're going to explore for the rest of our lives. Um, mm. you're, you, are, you are asking all the right questions. And Sam and I wish you peace. We wish you pride. We wish you a sense of love, self-love and an appreciation for everything that you have done to make it here to this moment today. Absolutely. We love you. Thank we you so much helps. for writing. All right, my lovelies, this brings us to the blind date segment of the show. Every episode, we want to shout out something that we love that we want to set you up with. This week, we are sending you home with... An episode of a podcast starring me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's today's Um, episode. No, just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, So... I recommended this podcast in the past before I started working for this company, but my friends Trina and Alfonso, who are also coincidentally my bosses at my new job, have a podcast called Behave, which is about workplaces, anti-racism, intercultural competency, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's a great podcast. They are two of the nicest, funniest, smartest people I know, and in the Uh, They had a Pride episode that I was part of where I talked about what it was like to move from an organization that was not queer-led to an organization that was queer-led and how I felt about it and what my experiences were. It's episode uh, 2110. Uh, It's called LGBTQ Plus Patterns Inside Team Dynamics. Um, And so if you're interested in hearing about my experience in my other work that I do outside of this podcast... Check that out. It was a really fun conversation with me and Alfonso and my friend uh, and colleague Tisa. Uh, and it was fun to do a podcast. They were so impressed that I already had a microphone ready when they, <laughs> when they started to record it. They were like, okay, just get out your phone. And I was like, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. I got a, I got a whole so thing. Cute. I got a whole setup. <laughs> um, a couple of things. One, love that this is the blind date for the Pride episode. Just perfect. I saved it. I saved yes. it for this. Two. <laughs> Do they have 2,000 episodes? Is that why it was 2110? Um, I'm, I don't understand the numbering of the, of the episodes. <laughs> oh, the year 21 and the 10th, maybe? I think that's what it is. Okay, it's we're the 10th episode of, of 2021. <laughs> that's it. We figured it out. Levi, okay. my colleague right. who does the podcast, if you're listening, I'm sorry. It was very clear. We're just idiots. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> So again, that's called the Behave Podcast. Check out that episode. Also check out all of the episodes if you have questions about hiring, about how to talk about racism at work, how to handle folks who might be doing microaggressions. Mm -hmm. It's it's a really awesome resource. They also um, have a book coming out called Hiring Revolution. So if you're interested in more resources around hiring, recruitment, um, and doing that in an anti-racist and culturally competent way. Feel free to check them out. But it's called the Behave Podcast, episode 2110, LGBTQ plus patterns inside team dynamics. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you could submit your questions about all matters of the heart 
at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find merchandise, uh, which is on sale right now, and tickets to our live show happening on July 10th. Remember to hit that follow button so that you never miss an episode of our of our podcast every Monday exclusively on Spotify. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our amazing friend, Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify under the name Big Cats. And remember, I, Sierra, am so deeply proud of you. Sam is proud of you. Look at how far you've come. Look at what you've endured, what you've carried, what you've learned what you've decided to leave behind because it no longer served you. You are meant to grow, which means you are inherently meant to change. And I know it takes time. I know it's a journey, but you deserve to become proud of who you are and who you are becoming. And if all else fails, just break up. (laughs) 